Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You all have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode number... Tanner, what episode are we on? What episode are we on? Episode 90. Woof. Fast approaching 100 episodes. We'll have to do something special for the 100th episode. We appreciate all the fa- all of the fans all around the world who are listening on the audio platforms, Amazon, Apple, Google Podcast, and Spotify. We appreciate our Rumble audience. We really, really appreciate the entire War Room posse for continuing to stream the podcast live every single episode at nighttime on becoming uh, the, the hatchet man of the nighttime airwaves over there in the, in the, uh, the, the war room movement uh, on the war room platform with the war room posse. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I truly believe we're making a difference. Uh, happy to, happy to see that the, the rumble platform, I got, I got to give a special thank you to Steve because YouTube, may in fact be toggling the the channel um and and when you have a a great patriot and comrade like steve bannon who will stream your your content um right on on the war room channel um i can't i can't say how grateful i am they have an incredibly big platform over there on rumble with the war room channel obviously war room is the tip of the spear um and you know almost a million followers and, uh, you know, we've been averaging about 100,000 or more views on the podcast every night over there on the War Room channel since they started to stream the podcast on Rumble as well as Getter. Um, so with Getter and Rumble and, and included, we're, we're running somewhere around 130 to 150,000 views a night. So we appreciate that. You can also find the podcast on my Rumble page, which we put up every every night and is still continuing to grow but hey the great Steve Bannon is going to run the podcast on the on the on the command uh on the command center uh, we have no objections you know some of this isn't really about you know when I got into this doing the podcast this is about getting a message out this is about saving the country this is about uh sacred honor and national honor and faith and a fight between good and evil that's what we're doing this for it's not about money. Sure, we need money. We're, we're, we're going to ask you for money soon. I haven't done it yet. We're almost 100 episodes in, which I hope tells you that we're really not, we, we're, we're not doing it to get rich. I'm not doing it to get rich. I'm not doing it to, to, to make money. Um, we, we will ask you for money in the, in the future uh, to, to pay bills and keep the lights on and continue to uh, make the production better and better and, and smoother to give you the content that we need to give you, especially going into this election cycle. And, and I'm running for United States Senate. <clears throat> and, you know, that's an entirely different deal. Uh, that campaign and the donations of that campaign are going to go to fight Amy Klobuchar and 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 activate a grassroots, which I hate to say grassroots because like the great Professor Penn said last week, grassroots just means that the establishment elites want to step on you. Um, uh, activate a citizen's movement here in the state of Minnesota and all across the country um, that can make a, a grandstand, not a grandstand, but but a, a grand stand here in 2024. That's that's my that's my goal. That's my interest right now. Look, 
hopefully if we don't all get carted off to prison in some uh, kangaroo court banana republic, um, then I'll have a, a long career to be able to talk, uh, do radio and broadcasting and bring you content, create content. God willing, if I'm able to stay healthy and live a, uh, an average lifespan in this country uh, for, for us, uh, 75 years old, I'll be able to do this until until the last light bulb goes out. Um, and, and that would make me happy. Uh, I really enjoy being able to create content and have these conversations with you all. I appreciate the feedback. We had an incredible spike in YouTube um, views uh, with the Larry Elder episode. I would uh, invite you all to go and, and subscribe to the Professor Penn podcast. He did a great job filling in while I was at the Big Three. Go watch our last podcast together from last Friday if you haven't had a chance to see that. It's an incredible conversation. Uh, Professor Penn adds a, a great deal of insight, and we certainly appreciate all the people who were with us while Professor Penn sat in. I think that you all enjoyed um, enjoyed his uh his contribution to please call me crazy. So if you did, he's about 50 episodes in on the professor Penn podcast, and it's a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of historical and cultural, political and spiritual knowledge, a mentor of mine and, and a family member. So if you could, if you, if you, if you, if you would be so kind, I would, I would deeply appreciate if you go and subscribe to his podcast right now, even a hey, press pause, come back, do that for me, please. I really appreciate it. And the reason why is, we need as many sane and logical voices as we possibly can get um, in this final push to save the country. And it's going to it's going to take. It's going to take all of us. It's going to be a heavy lift, but we can do it. We can do it. So I thank you all for being back again tonight. Um, I got a quick in and out about an hour and five minutes, I believe an hour and five minutes we're going to do. Um, so I got to run today. Campaign campaign business. Uh, starting right there. Um, this is the most dangerous time in American history. There is no doubt about it. There is no doubt in my mind that with all of the times in American history that I've researched relatively where we should be in this country today in 2023 and where we are makes it arguably arguably the most dangerous time in American history. With all the advancements in technology, with all the advancements in science, with all the advancements in weaponry, with all the advancements in, in, in connectivity and, and, and the internet and, and so on and so forth, with all our advancements intellectually, we have regressed socially. We have regressed politically. We have regressed we have regressed governmentally, if that's even a word. If it's not, I just created it on the fly. I don't care. I do that sometimes. We've regressed in all these key areas. We've regressed in all these essential areas. And the, the heart of it is, uh, you know, political malfeasance is what it is, right? And, and at the end of last episode, I talked a little bit about Fannie Willis, but I want to I want to talk more about that today. And I think it was the end of, of, of 
InfoWars. If you didn't get a chance, I hosted InfoWars from four to six yesterday, and the great Steve Bannon and the War Room Posse streamed that on the, the, the War Room Rumble page as well. And you can go to band.video and see the episode right there on Alex's platform. And, and you know, I had a blast doing that. I got a lot of great feedback, and I, I hope everybody appreciated the conversation. Towards the end, I, I started to talk about Fannie Willis, the Fulton County DA that decided to charge and, and, and indict uh, President Donald Trump in a, in, a, in, a, in a RICO case for election tampering, and conspiracy against rights. I mean, there was just a, a, a plethora of, of charges, of, of phony propaganda, political witch hunt charges. And, you know, it really, it really makes me upset to see black women used in this way, to see black women allow themselves to be used in this way. And I've talked about it before, and I think people get real, uh, they get real sensitive around the issue of race. And it's not just, it's not any one particular group of people. It's all people. I think we've all been kind of conditioned to get queasy around the conversation regarding race. And I'm not going to make this a race conversation today, but I just want to say on the front end of this, it makes me very, very disappointed. It's very upsetting to see black women and the identity of black women to be used as a cudgel against American freedom. Against freedom worldwide. You know, being used to aid in a bed and usher in um, the rise of globalism, the rise of a China-centric American citizenship. And that's what's happening. And make no mistake about it, we could talk about Donald Trump's flaws until we're blue in the face. All of us. All of us could sit here and we could talk about Donald Trump from here until next year and the year beyond, and so on and so forth. We've been talking about Donald Trump and his flaws since 2016, when he first you know, came down that elevator and, and uh, since he first debated Hillary Clinton, called her out for the hypocrisy around tax uh, scrutiny that, that he was under at the time. Uh, you know, We've been talking about Donald Trump nonstop, and I've said it before, Donald Trump in my opinion, is the greatest scapegoat in American history. And the reason why is, um, I mean, right up there with Adolf Hitler. And I, I, I want to say, you know, Adolf Hitler was a terrible, terrible human being. And what he did was terrible. But what they used his wickedness to justify is far worse. And it really is far worse. I mean, when you, when you look at the globalist narrative, when you look at the narrative of the fourth industrial revolution and basically making human beings obsolete, we are talking about uh, a cultural norm that will take countless, countless lives, that will change countless lives, that will hinder countless lives, that will decay society in a way that a war could only dream of. I mean, a war, a world war could only dream of, of doing the damage that this sort of cultural normalcy of, of industrial, the fourth industrial revolution and globalism will bring about. Because at least when you fight a war, right, when you fight a war, somebody wins, somebody loses, and hopefully the winning side is a side that believes in some resemblance of freedom. And, and all of us have been taught to... to to believe that that America represented that that semblance of freedom 
after World War II, um, the further we get away from that war, the more we start to see that that isn't quite the case, that that isn't true, that that two globalist forces, um, two globalist collaboratives fought a war against each other and one came out victorious and they were able to spin a narrative about the other side that allowed them to take people's rights and freedoms from here to Beijing. And that's exactly what the globalist agenda was created to do. And it's exactly what the globalist agenda agenda intends to do, what they're currently doing. And, you know, it's anything from the cashless society to the, the you know, the, the, the uh, authority of, of certain international health agencies in the, time of, in, in the times of, of crisis. Even on paper, you know, hypothetically, given, given these international agencies, this type of uh, authority in times of crisis is dangerous to say the very least. Anybody who, who denies that is probably in on the scam. Um, but it's, it's a number of things. It's a number of things. I mean, you know, uh, facial recognition software, right? The rise of technocracy, uh, artificial intelligence, obviously in conjunction with that, really the cashless society. And, and I, I bring all of this up on the front end to say that we are in the most dangerous time in American history and make no mistake about it. We can talk about Donald Trump and his flaws uh, his his character flaws, his his personality quirks, and all of that until we're blue in the face. But the simple fact remains that one president in recent American history has done the most to ruffle the feathers of these globalist forces and this globalist agenda, and that is Donald J. Trump. Now, the people who are soft on Donald J. Trump, who come from a more Republican or conservative Christian worldview, will say, well, you know, uh, why did he ruffle their feathers? Me, I'm not so interested in that. I'm a hardcore MAGA nationalist. And I don't give a flying fuck if the Washington Post wants to call me a darling of the alt-right or an Uncle Tom or a coon or whatever else they commission the black bourgeoisie sellouts to call me. Doesn't matter to me. They won't say it to my face, number one. Number two, I don't see anything that credentializes them for me to take them serious, including a person like Fanny Pack Willis. So I don't care what they say. Donald Trump has been the single greatest force against globalist policy, against globalist agenda, against globalist governance in recent American history. And it's not hard to see where and how. I mean, we can play that game if we want to. And yeah, we can criticize him about the vaccine. I'm going to let Donald Trump speak for himself when it comes to the vaccine. And, and I'm sure that really he's already spoken that there shouldn't be mandates. He's already said that he was misled by Fauci and the rest of the medical experts that were around at the time. And if you really go back and, and look at the history, which he has so eloquently um, highlighted, he threw the power to governors to enact lockdowns. There was no countrywide federal lockdown. There were the, 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 the possibility for state-regulated lockdowns, and people like Governor DeSantis locked down Florida the same way that plenty of other governors like Tim Waltz locked down Minnesota. And let's be clear about the lockdowns, okay? 
I want to be clear about the lockdowns. The only way the government can lock you down is if you allow them to lock you down. The only way the government can lock you down is if you are a rule of law cuck, usually conservative, that would actually listen to the soft mandates of, of the state governors in this most chaotic time from the most erroneous, um, the most erroneous strategy, uh, in my opinion. They can't lock you down unless you let them lock you down. And in many places, like here in the great state of Minnesota or in the greater Minneapolis Twin City metropolitan area, I was a part of a, a small contingent of people that would not, that refused to be locked down by Governor Waltz. Now, you could say, oh, well, that was BLM or that was George Floyd. Look, I never marched with BLM. They marched with me. And I would be willing to have them march with me again any day to be able to highlight, point out, to be able to speak to the corruption of certain institutions in this country, to take the conversation away from Black Lives Matters intellectual elites that come from the Marxist University and have a real conversation with regular people who have American citizenship and vote in this country every two to four years. I would, I would walk that path again with no shame. And I see a lot of cut conservative rhinos trying to say, oh, Royce is a BLM plant or Royce is Black Lives Matter. He's a liberal. I've never been a liberal. Never been a liberal in my life. I was born in a, Democrat, a cultural Democrat community. But all of us, many of us black men, we don't believe in any of these liberal policies. That just hasn't caught up yet with the Democrat Party. And even more, even more accurately, uh, black men traditionally just haven't been very... Uh, active politically. That's just the way it's been. Now you can make a strong case that the top brass in the Republican party and the RNC and the, and the bushies of the, of the Republican apparatus never really want black men to be involved in Republican party politics, which is why, which is why they do so well to keep a person like me out of my own Senate district. Uh, I mean, my own uh, congressional district, uh, BPOU. Three times I've emailed to join the Republican Party in CD3, only to be ignored. And then to have someone tell me within the party, because I hang out with all the people who are party officers, that there's been an explicit order, quote unquote, given to keep me out of the party. Why? Why? If you believe it, which I know you do because I'm not a liar. You don't know me to be a liar. In fact, I'm one of the most brutally honest people you'll probably fucking meet, especially in this time, this day and age. If you believe that that's the case, the question then becomes, do you believe I'm the first one? Do you believe that I'm the first, that I'm the first black man to be intentionally kept out of the Republican Party? And why are they doing it? What benefit is it to them? Is it that the best form of controlled opposition is to keep the two parties to to keep the two parties Democrats and Republicans divided along a cultural wedge issue like race is it that any number of cultural wedge issues like marijuana or or policing or you know is all intended to keep the grassroots activists fighting amongst each other to distract them from the greater scam being run on them I would say absolutely. 
Absolutely. And we're changing that now. And it was Donald Trump's candidacy. It was Donald Trump's presidency. It was Donald Trump's balls and courage and, and, and uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, his not giving a fuck that allowed the emergence of the current nationalist populist movement that you see that has people like me more motivated than ever. And it's not just me. It's black and Latino. It's black and Hispanic men all across the country, working class, rising up, finally getting, invo getting involved in politics, not allowing the political BPOUs and the political establishments to be the, 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 the cookie bake sale on the weekends where people eat donuts, drink coffee, and don't do any politics. Now we're coming to a place where the rubber is meeting the road. And real men, real God-fearing American patriotic men are standing up to say enough is enough. And that's no knock on the women who have been involved in politics. Well, I'm not knocking that it's been dominated by women, whether in the black community, whether it's in the, 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 the Latino and Hispanic community, or whatever the case may be. Certainly in the black community, politics are dominated by black women. I'm not knocking that. Now, to give a 98% vote to the Democrats for nothing in exchange is the greatest form of pimping in the recent American history. You couldn't find me a single pimp or a single conglomerate of pimps, a single, a single cluster of pimps, street level, corporate, or anything else that, that has pulled off that type of pimping in recent American history. It was Donald Trump's presidency that's changed the entire current of our political landscape here in America. And that, that isn't even the half of what he did to fight back against the globalist establishment. The, the thing he did the most, maybe the most to fight back against the globalist establishment was to come right out, right out on center stage and call out DC for, what, for exactly what it is, exactly what we all know it is. DC is a political theater DC, in large part, is a political theater used to bastardize American citizenship, to step on the little guy when and where they can, to step on the little guy to piss on his head and tell him it's raining, to feed him shit and tell him it's caviar. That is what the political elite in this country have created in Washington, D.C. And the tentacles of it spread all across the nation. That is what Donald Trump contributed the most to fight against the agenda that they work on behalf of in the D.C. swamp. And we all know it's true. We all know it's true. No, no matter what you say about Donald Trump doesn't change that fact. And no matter what Donald Trump may or may not have corrected in his personal life or character doesn't change the fact that he is the single greatest threat to those people still today. I know, I know a lot of you like Ron DeSantis. Me personally, I don't trust him. I look, when they ask a question, would you pardon Donald Trump at the debate? And he waited and looked down to see who else would raise their hand and then raise his hand. There is a huge, huge flaw that still exists in Ron DeSantis's character. 
Has he done some things that I would agree with? Has he done some things that we should applaud him for? Has he done some things that were honorable? Absolutely. Has he done some things that took some courage? Depends on how you look at it, to be honest. I mean, we're living in dangerous times now. The double cross and the triple cross. We're going to the quadruple cross. I mean, we don't know. We, 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 it, it, it's a struggle to understand who's, who's playing what games behind the scenes. It really is. The scope of governance, the scope of the security and intelligence communities, the scope of the corporatocracy, corporations themselves, special interests, lobbying, all of these, the legal system, lawfare, okay, the suits, the, the suits that do law, all of it. It's so hard to know who's pulling what strings. I say all of it with skepticism. But I can look at a person's, I can look at a person's actions and I can conclude a lot from their actions. I can watch how a person carries themselves and I can do, deduce a lot from how, from how they carry themselves. And hey, one out of 10 times, I might get it wrong. Two out of 10 times, I might get it wrong. I might look at the way a person carries themselves and it may be awkward, it may be weird, it may be a little uh, socially out of tune or out of step. And, and, and two out of 10 times, that person actually is a hitter, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're sharp. They just have some weird idiosyncrasies for whatever reason. Okay, we're talking about the President of the United States on the on the on the front end of a world war do we need a person in office that has to look down at his competitors to see what they think before he makes a decision that is not conviction that is not conviction that is not a man who is yet settled in his convictions and I'm not saying that we should all always be settled on our convictions we should be open to hearing other people speak, to hearing other people's points of view and, and being able to absorb that and, and, and use it to form our own convictions or adjust our convictions. The point that needs to be driven home here is we are in a wartime scenario. We are at war, literally. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it doesn't feel good to hear. I, I understand. But we are at war. We are at war with two nuclear superpowers. Two nuclear superpowers, we're at war. We're at war in the South China Sea right now. Whether or not the first guns have gone off is irrelevant. We're at war. We're, we're, we're with the tinderbox. The, the, the peace sits upon the edge of a blade. And just a little bit to the Northwest there in the Ukraine, we are already in a full-blown kinetic war. We're at war. The world is at war. The world is trying to find a workaround and, and cooler heads hopefully will prevail, but it's going to take real leadership. It's going to take courage. It's going to take fortitude. It's going to take conviction. This is a conviction that Donald Trump has already shown. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We all know it to be true. We all know how President Xi and, and, and Vladimir Putin feel about Donald Trump. We all know they have a different level of respect for him than they have for Joe Biden. And who sits in the chair means something. Yes, there are global forces at work. Yes, there are global forces working behind the scenes and pulling strings. And, and there are certain people that have certain interests in certain things. We all understand that. Yes, for sure. 
But we know for a fact that when Donald Trump was in office, President Xi and Vladimir Putin had to behave a different way because who sits in the seat matters. Who sits in that seat of power actually matters. They do have a lot of power, especially if they have the balls to use it. And despite what anybody thinks about Donald Trump, despite what anybody thinks about his character, about his morals, about Stormy Daniels, about anything you want to bring, I don't know, about a phone call, despite all of that, we know that when he sits in the chair, he has the balls to do things that most people wouldn't do, that most people are afraid to do, that Barack Obama was afraid to do, that George Bush was afraid to do, that Bill Clinton was afraid to do, that Carter was afraid. I mean, go down the line. Numero uno, maybe more than anything. Just ask the right question. And from the NATO, you know, why are we paying 4% on a GDP that's four or five times bigger than all the rest of these countries combined and they're paying 2%? Basic questions. Basic questions that are completely fair and valid. Why are we paying 4% on a GDP that's five, and I might be getting it wrong, it might be 10 times bigger, I, I'm not quite sure, but we're, we're paying 4%, why, just keep it basic. Why are we paying 4% and you're, and you're paying 2%? Why don't you have to match America's contribution? Why are we carrying all these nations? Why are we getting played? Why are we getting, why are our working class citizens having to scrape and claw, scrape and claw for $500 cash while NATO and, and the European Union flourishes in, in this sort of Finocchio uh, protection racket that they got running? Yet they're still extracting the natural resources from, from places like Africa. I mean, why, are we, why are we doing this? One of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to restructure the deal so it makes some fucking sense, or we're going to pull out of the deal. And you all can protect your fend for yourselves. And there's great courage in doing. There was great courage when Donald Trump did that. You all have to admit that. And now you got some little poo butt district, district attorney from Fulton County, Georgia, who was on Facebook promoting Black Lives Matter like it was her fucking job and questioned the integrity of elections herself, and now she's coming back to clip Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's wings at the behest of who? And I asked the question before, and I'll ask it again. If you can't be a foreign-born president, Barack Obama, we'll talk about that another day. I can't be sure that he was foreign-born, but I've certainly seen what looks like a duplicate or a copy of his birth certificate, and it certainly doesn't look like he was born in any city here in the United States of America. That's neither here nor there now. We are where we are. Should we be able to know? Absolutely. That, that would be, uh, I, th I think it's, I think it's the, the right of the American people to know whether or not an eight-year sitting president, um, a two-term sitting president, was actually American-born or not. I think it's a completely reasonable thing to ask. Now, I mean, in all honesty, would it be hard? 
would it be hard for this establishment to uh, to falsify a birth certificate? No. I mean, so what are we really asking for? We're asking, and, and I don't like, and this is why I hesitate to, to mention it, because we get really caught up and bogged down and looking for smoking guns where we know, we know deep down, deep, deep down, we know that all of those, all of those things can be manipulated. We know that. We, we all know. Don't spend all this time looking for the smoking gun. Let's deal with the things that we can actually control. Let's deal with the things as they are now. Do I believe there's a, some significant chance that Barack Obama was actually born in a different country? Yeah, I believe that. Do I believe that they could and would uh, forge or, or falsify his birth certificate and, 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 and those type of documents um, to further their agenda? through his candidacy and eventual presidency? Absolutely. I mean, in the long, dirty, in the long, dirty list of things they've done, that would be light work. Of course they would do that. That's nothing. Am I very concerned with it? No, I'm not concerned with it. What I am concerned with, however, is if an American president can't be foreign born because that may in fact undermine the national security of the presidency itself, then why would district attorneys be able to get elected off of the foreign aid or the money of, of foreign-born American citizens? This seems like a huge national security risk to me. You tell me, drop it in the comments. Do you think that a Hungarian-born man named George Soros should be able to, to give billion billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, even a million dollars to get district attorneys elected across the country? Doesn't that undermine the rule of law? Isn't that a potential national security risk to the rule of law in our nation? That type of influence over the law itself? I mean, somewhere in here, we've really lost our way with protecting ourselves and guarding the value of our citizenship. This is why when I was on Jason Whitlock and we talked about Joy Ann Reed, who hates white people, white supremacy is the biggest thing we face, yet she tries to look like a white woman. Uh, and, and not only does she try, but the entire network seems to, to be appropriate that she look like a white woman getting on national TV every night and talking about white supremacy. When I, when I talked with Jason about that, I said... Joanne Reed and Don Lemon and Rachel Maddow and all the other mainstream media industrial complex uh, pundits, they all know what the value of citizenship means. And they've done their best to make citizenship itself seem like a dirty word. You know, I see this thing popping up from the leftists and the, the progressives and the, the, the Marxists and the socialists and the, 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 the entire... Uh, you know, uh, BIPOC movement to say that the American flag itself is, is a dog whistle for white supremacy, that nationalism is a dog whistle for white supremacy, that Christianity is a dog whistle for white supremacy. But really what they're saying to you is you should not value your citizenship. You're no longer a citizen of the United States of America. You're now a global citizen. And in that global community, uh, George Soros has just as much of a right to use his money to influence our elections or the, our rule of law as any other citizen because we're part of a global community now.
But if the Russians want to put money, if the Russians want to throw money into district attorney races, then we would have a problem with it. Then we would cry foul. And we have cried foul. In fact, 58 intelligence officers, again, 58 intelligence officers, officers, 58, 58, 60, 60 intelligence officers in this country signed a letter that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation that was found to be false. It was found to be extremely, extremely corrupt. And whether or not you want to admit it, whether or not you want to look at the totality of the conflict that now has, has, has exploded with Russia, all of the things like that have contributed to the Russians' distrust of the Western world and us as the leader in it. All of those things. It's, it, and that, that, that was, wasn't even the straw that broke the camel's back. That was just to add insult to injury. And what, was, what has always been a, a very anti-Russian Western globalist movement. Always. Myself and Professor Penn talked about it last Friday. and Herman Kahn, and Zygmunt Ubrzynski, and Bob Keegan, and all these other multinationalist political elites, political thought leaders, all of them had a hand in the stew. All of them played a role in the anti-Russia sentiment that that still exists today with the emergence of the post-World War II democratic liberal order. Kissinger, all of them. All of them, virulently anti-Russian. I'm not an apologist. There's there's no way that that anybody in their right mind, anybody that's sane and logical, would agree with the destruction that's happened in the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, what they've suffered so far. Nobody would, would want that to happen in an ideal situation, but we got to look at the totality of circumstance as, they, as it has l- happened. When the United States of America is funding biological labs in a country that's right on your border and their intelligence community is, is alleging, blaming you, for certain propaganda that could in in fact affect, that could in fact affect the outcome of a presidential election. Yeah, I'd say that the, the, I'd say that the relationship is pretty tense and hostile myself. What is he supposed to think? And I'm hearing now that Tucker and, and Vladimir Putin are supposed to do a sit down interview. That should be a blockbuster. Holy cow. Wow. Wow, the entire world is going to tune in for that one. I'd like to hear it. But I know what Vladimir Putin's going to say. I know what he's going to say. We all know what he's going to say. The question is, do we want to accept it? And the, the answer is already clear. No, we don't want to accept it. Many Americans don't want to accept it because we've been brainwashed in this anti-Russian sentiment since after World War II. But the rest of the world, my friends, my fellow patriots, cuckslayers, my comrades out there, the rest of the world is starting to buy the narrative. They're starting to throw down their chains. They're starting to wake up and see what's going on. The question is, 
Do we believe that them rallying together and taking over is going to be a net positive for us? Or are we going to become the pincushion? And it might be that the Kissingers of the world, the Zygbin, you Brzezinski's, that they had this thing planned this, this way from the very beginning. Remember the intellectual tradition they come from. It could have always been that the plan was to destroy the, the, the Westphalian nation state and become a global community, a more globalist governance on the, t- on the, on the back of whatever nation rose to power and could, uh, could execute the agenda. And right now we all see who that is. That's China. We all see it. We all see the desire to become a China-centric global community. Under, under the intellectual and scientific expertise of a few international agencies that still reside there in Europe. When, when you really look at it, who's running who? And that fight's happening at the same time. You know, President Xi is, you know, that's what went down in Hong Kong. I don't know if you, I don't know if people really understand what went down in Hong Kong. There's multiple wars happening at once. Hong Kong is the, the, the remnant of Western power or Western authority or the, the Western dominance there in China. Hong Kong is a, is, a, is a Western outpost there in China. Just like Shanghai used to, used to be. And President Xi tightened the noose around the people in Hong Kong to send a message. That's my opinion. It's a new day and your Western allegiances don't matter anymore. We run things here in China. We run things here on mainland China. We run things here in the South China Sea. This is our territory. Whatever allegiance we have with the West takes second fiddle to what the CCP has planned for China here. And could we help the people in Hong Kong? No. No, we couldn't. I mean, you see them take the former president of China, get him, stand him up and walk him out of the, <coughs> out of the huge uh, assembly, the CCP assembly there, right? I mean, that was, that was, a, that was an old school mafia type of exchange in power. And he's sitting there, he's standing, look it up, just go look it up. And he's standing there looking at Xi Jinping like, what's this? What's going on here? And Xi Jinping just gives this very strange, uh, emotionless face. You know, you know what this is. This is a power move. This is the ultra power move. So we're playing against people who are at the top of their game. And that's what Donald Trump said when he said that there aren't Hollywood, there aren't Hollywood actors that could even play these people that are at the top of their game like these people are in real life. And the way China's politics works, you got to realize each little province, each little province has its leader and that leader is like a mob boss. That, that, that leader in that individual little territory is like a mob boss. And at the point where they're not happy with the split, 
Xi Jinping has to watch his back, just like Donald Trump has to watch his back here. This is the fight where, and the same thing is true with Vladimir Putin. Now, the difference is we face two countries that are on the front end of their emergence as global superpowers. Russia's, you know, they had to restart. So still, they're on the front end of the new chapter of their rise in the, in the, in the, on the global stage. And China has never, you know, when China was an empire, we weren't talking about a global, global political, geopolitical landscape. We weren't talking geopolitics. The politics were, were more local. So definitely in the modern era, in the 21st century, in the 20th century, this is the front end of China's rise that we funded, by the way, we paid for, our tax money paid for. And those two countries, because they're on the front end of their rise, they have a profound sense of vision for their citizenship, for their nation, which is why both cultures are extremely nationalist. They're extremely ethno-national. And now we have the unique history of being a melting pot. And the Marxists were brilliant were brilliant to attack us for being a melting pot, to attack us because we are a melting pot, to attack us because we are a nation of immigrants. And we are a nation of immigrants. Nobody would deny that. We're a nation that had slaves come from Africa. We had people come from China. We had people come from Asia. We had people come from any number of conflicts, global, global military conflicts that sometimes we instigated promulgated. We had people come through Europe and in that immigration after World War One and World War Two. And, and we've we've continuously been a nation that people have immigrated to to this very day. Our borders wide open and we still act as though there's no carrying capacity on the United States. It's a lie. It's false. Of course there is. And I love when Donald Trump told Tucker, my number one priority is at the border because I still think there's a lot of controversy about the border, which is absolutely absurd. There should be no controversy here. We cannot let an infinite amount of people into this country. Give me a break. You can't let an an infinite amount of people. And now they got the audacity in some of these major cities to, to tell to ask the American people to let some of these refugees live in their homes, come live in my home? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So Mark Zuckerberg can take out $400 million to maintain the corrupt status quo of the D.C. political elite, but you want the American people to house illegal immigrants? Have you people lost your fucking mind? The audacity. I mean, the audacity of it is is quite awe-inspiring. It really is. It should piss each and every one of you American citizens off out there. Now, I don't care what you voted in the last election. I don't care what you voted back in 1991. I don't care what you think about any number of cultural wedge issues, the current political hegemony, the Democrat Party and the Uniparty, with all the cuck rhino conservatives, they actually think it's reasonable to ask the American people to house illegal immigrants when the elites, the ultra elites that helped throw money into the political elections 
spent hundreds of millions of dollars to, to elect Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and put Fannie Willis in office in Fulton County, Georgia. These people can barely read sentences, let alone lead a country, let alone steward a nation, let alone protect the value of your citizenship, and they show it. And they show they think you are nothing more than an idiot. Are you an idiot? Maybe we're all idiots. Maybe we all are idiots. I, I don't. I don't know. I know the high has gotten good. The high is real good. Oh, the high is so good. And I know I was supposed to talk about Fannie Willis, but this is what "Please Call Me Crazy" is. This is what this podcast is. This is what this podcast is always going to be. When I sit out there at the at the at the big desk on Saturday nights, prime time, and I start the Royce White show, um, I'll try. I'll try to stay more on track when it comes to the content. But this is what this podcast was always intended to be. Please call me crazy. Call me crazy. Do I need to even talk about Fannie Willis? I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, money was diverted between Black Lives Matter and, and the George Soros Society of Humanitarian Initiatives, whatever other think tanks and, 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 and slush funds are involved to help elect DAs like this for a time just as this so they could wage wall, lawfare, lawfare against American citizens. It's against you. Their attack on Donald Trump is an attack on you. It's an attack on your dollar. It's an attack on your safety. It's an attack on your border. It's an attack on your future. It's an attack on your credit. It's an attack everywhere you can think of. It's an attack on your children. God bless Neo. The, the R&B singer, Neo, he came out right away and said, look, I don't care. Uh, you're not going to convince me that a child at this age should be able to make that decision for themselves. Then he, he had to walk it back, right? He still jacked into the establishment and his publicist and everybody around knew that he had to come out and apologize and kneel before the LGBTQ or his opportunities may be taken from him. We're living in a gay banana republic. And yeah, yeah, I'm becoming pretty transphobic. I'm going to come right out and say it. Am I personally afraid of, of trans people? No. No, not, not, not at all. Not personally. Although increasingly, I think if, 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 if assassinations are going to be carried out, and in my opinion, you're going you're gonna to see an increase in the number of assassination attempts that are carried out by trans people. And maybe they're trans and maybe they're not. And maybe the deep state now sees it advantageous to stoke the political fires and divide in this country to use trans people or to use people who say they're trans in order to do their dirty work. I don't know. We, we're in the law of uncertain outcomes now. We're in the fog of war. The law of uncertain outcomes and unintended consequences. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you this. I'm very, very afraid that school districts find it a priority to teach young black kids about trans fucking genders and they can't even read. 
I find it very alarming that liberal white women think it's a priority to teach young black children about transgenderism and they can't fucking read. You tell me. You tell me, is that unreasonable? Is that is that illogical? Is it illogical that we get young, young black children in the inner cities up to speed on their basic, basic educational uh, you know, requirements, their, their, their basic educational levels before we start venturing off into transgender land with tranny godmothers? You tell me. You, you, you tell me. I mean, what, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say about the Minneapolis public school system? They get $1.4 billion fucking dollars a year. What do you want me to say? You want me to apologize? You want me to, you, you, you want me to look the other way? I can't do it for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not fucking sorry. There's no way on earth you can tell me that it makes any sense whatsoever to spend any time prioritizing the LGBTQ transgenderism in these schools for these young black kids when they can barely fucking read. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? What do, I mean, what are we even doing? What, what are we? T- Get these people the fuck out. Get these people the fuck out. Vote them out. Vote them the fuck out. If you don't vote them the fuck out, you're a coward and you're a part of the problem. You got young black, young, young black boys that can't even read at a fifth grade reading level, but you're doing transgender story hour. You think you think you think helping them read through transgender story hour is going to help their basic reading uh, comprehension? I can assure you, I can assure you that the majority of young black boys that come from young black homes all around the country are not buying in during transgender story hour. Because when the young black kids are all together, when the white liberal women aren't around, they're still cracking jokes and laughing at the shit. You haven't changed a thing. All you've done is preyed upon the anomalous young black man who may be suffering from sexual abuse in the home or somewhere else in his life, and he is willing to accept your story about gender identity to reconcile the darkness and demons in his own spirit. That's all you've done. The majority of us still don't give a flying fuck about your transgender story hours or your drag queen strip shows. We don't give a fuck. We don't want them. You see how the Muslim, all you anti-Muslim, oh, oh, this is anti-Muslim propaganda. When they talk about Ilhan Omar coming to America through the, through the Somali war, and her dad being a, 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 an aide to the State Department, which means he worked with the fucking CIA, when they talk about Ilhan Omar potentially being a plant, an international deep state plant, all they're doing is spreading anti-Muslim propaganda. Anti-Muslim propaganda, but they're in Dearborn, Michigan, when the, the, the biggest Muslim city 
in the entire country per capita. There in Dearborn, Michigan, when the Muslims showed up with the Christians to fight against transgenderism at the school board, y'all wanted to act like the Muslims were misogynists. So it when 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 the Muslims fit your narrative, they're the victim. When they don't fit your narrative, they're the enemy. They're the patriarchy. They're misog- They're the misogyny. You see how this pendulum swings? You see how they'll use this pendulum as many times as they need to, as long as all of us stay asleep at the wheel and allow them to? This episode probably won't even make it up. They might take it down. They can't take it down on Rumble. Let's pray that Rumble stays, stays on the right side of censorship. They won't be able to take it down on the audio platforms. That's a good thing. You can go to band.video. The episode will be up there. YouTube may take it down, and you got to start to ask yourself who the fuck YouTube is. Who are, who, who are these people? Who are these people where we can't say the most basic, logical, reasonable, and rational things? Who are these people? Teach the kids how to read first before you worry about teaching them transgenderism. Give me a fucking break. And Donald Trump is reasonable like this. Yeah. Donald Trump is, is a man who has a great, a profound sense of, of rational thought when it comes to governing the United States of America. Could he be better? Yeah, everybody could be better. It's a hard job to be the president of a country. <coughs> Nobody was asking Barack Obama to be perfect. I would have enjoyed he not... Um, missile drone strike innocent children in Iraq and Afghanistan. That probably would have been good. That probably would have helped out the moral hazard that this country has accumulated. I would have loved had Bill Clinton not been a cuck for Daddy Bush. Talked about the UFOs. We'll get into that next week. Next week's going to be UFO week. We're going to get down to the bottom of this whole UAP deal that's going on because you see I'm wearing the NASA hat. It's to be facetious. We're going to get down to the bottom of some of these deep, deep, deep government programs next week. And I got some special guests. Oh, I got some special guests that are going to come give us some, some real insight, some real insight into some things that some people really don't want us to know. Doesn't scare me any. Doesn't change my love of God. Doesn't change my love of country. Doesn't change my understanding of citizenship. But I would have loved had Bill had Bill Clinton done that. I would have loved had you know uh, George Bush been a little bit more thorough in the Iraq War altogether. <coughs> I think it was Donald Trump who recently said that the Iraq war was completely illegal and unconstitutional. We should have never been there in the first place. Boom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So being president is not an easy job. I get it. They all could be better. Donald Trump could be better. For sure, he could have been better. The simple fact remains. This is no longer about Democrats and Republicans. This is about globalists and nationalists. And nationalism is not a dog whistle for white supremacy. And globalism is not a dog whistle for anti-Semitism. Nationalism is believing in having a country, believing in having citizenship, 
believing in having rights, rights that are constituted, inalienable rights granted to you by the creator, not man, not the government, granted to you inalienable by a creator. That's what being a nationalist is. Being a nationalist is not giving your governance over to an international group of super corporations. Aristocratic elites who have strange, strange, strange scientific pipe dreams. Did nothing to do with the well-being of you, the citizen, the little guy, the grassroots that they think they can step on whenever they get ready. That's what being a nationalist is. Being a globalist is thinking that there is no ambition. There is no ambition too far. That is man's destiny to become God, to become the authority over life and death, to become the creator, formerly known to guarantee our rights. To be a globalist is to believe that the world, the entire world, all of human civilization would be much better under a much smaller rule. A much smaller rule constraint to a group of intellectual elites who think they know better how, about how you should live your life than you do. To that I say no. To that I say resist. Resist with all your might. Put your foot down, stand up, plant the flag, resist. However you can, wherever you are. Where are you spending your money? Where are you, where are you using your vote? How are you involved in the political process? And in conclusion, I want to say thank you to a few of our sponsors, our advertisers, mybookie.com. Mybookie, you can play games, you can bet on games, fight, sporting events. Mybookie.com is great. You can go there and the promo code Royce and get a bonus to start your betting. You can also go to <coughs> ghostbed.com for your sleep needs, mattresses, sheets, and other accessories like that. You can enter promo code Royce there as well for a discount on your purchase. That's ghostbed.com. That's mybookie.com. But most importantly, most importantly, where do you spend your dollars on a daily basis? Do you understand the importance of a parallel economy? Of an alternative economy, of the patriot economy? Do you understand the importance of using our dollar and our vote and our time and our energy in a way that increases and protects the value of our citizenship? Target.com. There are options. You just got to do a little bit of work. Fight the convenience that will eventually kill freedom. Do a little bit of work, and I promise you, we can start to tip the scales back in the other direction. And last but not least, I, wanna, I want to encourage each and every one of you to go to precinctstrategy.com and learn how to become a precinct committeeman in the Republican Party. Is the Republican Party without flaw? No. But we are going to purge these rhinos from the party or we are going to split with them completely. Either way, either way, become a precinct committeeman and let's take back the Republican Party 
Let's give everything we can to take back the Republican Party. The great Dan Schultz has created an incredible website that explains how to become a precinct committeeman at precinctstrategy.com. This is the way we take back the Republic. This is at least the way we can take back one half of the political dichotomy from these globalists, anti-human, anti-God political elites. Take a little bit of time, go to precinctstrategy.com and become familiar and get involved. As for me, my fight's just begun. My fight's just begun against Amy Klobuchar and the rest of the D.C. swamp and their desire, their need, their desperation to maintain the corrupt status quo. My fight has just begun. And we're going to try and make it as easy as possible for you to get involved in the campaign. But the campaign's not going to just be about Amy Klobuchar because we're not talking about individual states anymore. We're not talking about individual local governments anymore. We're not talking about individual campaigns, political campaigns anymore. We're talking about the fate of the entire nation versus the ambitions and agenda of a global corporate community. A global corporate community that wants to step on you. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGate.com. We appreciate your viewership and your listenership today and in the future. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.